All right. You already handed out some of your little papers, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have gotten a little paper from Beth. Do you have any extras still? If you need one of those little papers, they have some extras in the back. Some people like a little thing to follow along with the sermon. So this is like the first time I've ever done this before, and don't expect it ever again. <laughs> um, and then Beth has a little challenge for you. Um, kids, if you remember or count the number of times the word peace is said today or in my sermon, then you get a prize from her. There's a whole bunch of candy up here. Um, any age, because we're all children at heart. Mm-hmm. No, really, it is for everybody. So, and, and there's no directions, because you'll be able to figure it out as we go along. When you think of peace, what's the very first thing that comes to mind? I want you just to take a moment and think about it. When you think of peace, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I have a few pictures as well. Oh, let me not skip this verse. Sorry. I put it in there for a reason. Uh, (laughs) I must have put it at the very beginning because I planned to read it at the beginning, but I didn't. Can you go to it, Bob, for me? And then we'll read it. Hotter, colder. There we go. Would somebody read that, please? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Thank you. So now you can go back to my pictures. You have maybe a picture of what of peace in your mind or something peaceful. Maybe it's a warm bath with candles all around it. Maybe it's crisp snow under a black sea of stars. Maybe it's a sleeping puppy. Maybe it's enemies becoming friends. What do you think? I want, I want two adults and two kids to share what they think of when they think of peace. One adult first, please. Yeah, Matt. Teenagers behaving. Teenagers behaving. <laughs> All right, and a kid, one kid to share what they think when they think peace. You know I'll call on you if you don't volunteer, so that's how it works. What do you think of when you think of something peaceful? Love. Love, very good. And another adult, share something else. Yeah, Nick? Uh, I love my kid. Mm-hmm. And one more kid. Oh, yeah, you can go, Bert. Go ahead, forget, Worryless. please. What's that? Worryless. No Worryless, yes, very good. Awesome. I won't make anybody else volunteer. <clears throat> Do all those images and thoughts evoke a sense of peace for you? 
Peace is one of the greatest feelings and circumstances we can ever find ourselves enjoying. When we lit the candle, though, earlier, what peace was that for? Is it candles in a bathtub? Though that peace is good, but it's quickly interrupted, yes? (laughs) Right? The water gets cold. The kids come in. Puppies wake up. Snow turns to mush. The peace we are celebrating is the everlasting relief from the greatest conflict that has ever been. That is that God has made peace between us and him. That's one of the two big things you're going to learn about today. That God has made peace between us and him. This is the gospel. That while we were evil and deserving wrath, God laid his life down for us. And took the punishment that we deserve. Jesus put himself in our place. And he died. But that wasn't the end because the greatest miracle that has ever happened then happened. Three days later when everyone thought he was dead and gone forever. God made him come to life again. He showed up to lots of people. And then he went to heaven to prepare a place for us all. The Bible says that everyone who trusts God for what Jesus did for them receives that gift that he promised. That he came here to give. He promises that we will always be with God, even when our bodies die. And that's not even all the gift. On one very special day that God has chosen, he will make our bodies come to life again. And we will live in a new heaven and a new earth, eating and partying and playing and living with God in the special place that he made for us. Together, we will be there and we will worship him forever. When Jesus died on the cross for us, God was able to say to the whole world, I will forgive you because of my son, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Come to me, everyone who has lied, everyone who has hurt, everyone who has hated. And I will forgive you and I will make you a new person. I will make you mine. And this is a truth that all of us who have called out to God know. That he answers us. When we seek him with all of our heart, When we get to that point where we genuinely know we need him and we call out to him, he answers. Amen. Amen. John 3, 16 through 17. Would somebody please read that? Thank you. Jesus told the disciples, I will send the Holy Spirit to live in you, to guide you, and to prove to you that I am with you and that my promises are real. I would like everyone to read John chapter 14 tonight. 
John chapter 14. Families, try to do it together. Romans 4, 25, through part of chapter 5 here, says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What does justification mean? It means we were wrong and broken and he made us right with him. Somebody want to read that next part? Because we trust God, we have peace with him. This means that God doesn't hate you. He loves you and always has. And just like we don't do anything to earn God's love and grace, we can't do anything to destroy his love for us either. So we should not reject this gift because without it we have no hope, no peace, and no joy. No love and no life without him. Without Jesus, we reject God's gift and won't be with him forever. We call on him and we trust him because only God could fix our broken relationship. Without trusting God, we try to trust something else. But no one else is our savior. No one else died in our place to give us eternal life. No one else can give you the life that God gives. That rich life full of joy, completely unaffected by this world. One that people cannot destroy, one that people cannot steal, one that governments cannot oppress. Nobody can take it from you, this life that God gives. And along with that life comes the hope, comes the peace, comes the joy that only Jesus brings. Only God could fix our broken relationships. He has made us his holy and perfect children, and he is the one that keeps us that way. And that gives us a whole lot of joy as we grow in understanding God's grace. No longer are we God's enemies. Jesus has already won, and the prize he suffered for was you. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God, and that is the peace we celebrate. So the second point, the second main thing that you need to learn today, is kind of like one of those songs said, so I look around and I, do, I don't see peace on earth. I see wars and conflict and hate and all of those things. But that's different for us. We are the the light and the salt of the world. In God's people, there is something different. 
Because of God's love and the love he has for everyone, we are at peace with all people. I think I believe. Yeah. But we are at war with the evil of the world that enslaves them. That means that because we have peace with God, we have peace with people. Why do we have peace? Even that guy? Yeah, even that guy. God has given us a deep love for the people that he loves. And surprise, he loves everyone. So how can we hate people that God loves? How can we not have peace with people? God did everything to create peace with them. Here's a story. You can figure out as we go along whether it's true or not. In 1914, something very special happened. I want you to make a little mental picture in your mind. You can imagine as you understand. You're going to see a little picture here. These really young boys are fighting in a very big war. A whole world war. They are living in the mud. No family. Just the other kids that are with them. These kids are 15 and 16 and 17. And they've got 20-year-olds leading them. Every day they suffer in the cold and in the mud and in the sewer of the trenches. They're so afraid that they can't leave the trenches to use the bathroom. They can't leave, they can't fall asleep without the fear of being hurt and killed. Hurt and killed by who? By the people that they're in conflict with. By the people who are just 30 meters away, less than 100 feet away from them, in another trench, just over that side. They're so close that they can hear each other cooking. They're so close they can hear each other talking. They're so close that they can yell insults at each other all day long. But in December of 1914, something very special happened. The worship of Jesus coming up to Christmas time caused huge armies to stop fighting. They had been engaged in this terrible war. They had killed each other and they had cursed and hated each other. But on Christmas of that year, German and allied soldiers who were in trenches opposing from each other, some only 100 feet away, began to sing Christmas carols to each other. And through cakes and songs and other methods, initiated a truce with each other. And on Christmas, they cautiously ventured into no man's land. This place filled with bodies. Huge artillery holes in the ground. 
barbed wire. The very place that they were so afraid to approach that even if they peeked their head up, they were confident that they would die. The peace of God gave them the courage to come out into those places and to meet each other. Without weapons, they met each other in no man's land and shook hands and took pictures together. They played soccer together and traded food and all the other kinds of trinkets and things they had. Stuff that they would normally have to kill each other to get. Then they helped each other bury their friends. Some of this went on all the way up to New Year's until the commanders of those armies were very worried that the soldiers would quit fighting for good. And they ordered them to start fighting again. Those 15s and 16s and 17-year-olds. What a miracle. It was a miracle so great that people around the world thought it was made up. But really the only myth that circulates around this part is the myth that they had an organized soccer game. They had a soccer game. And of one witness account, it was of a couple hundred people. They just kicked the ball around. These young men who had been taught to hate each other and some had even killed the friends of each other, helped each other bury their dead. And they loved each other in the worst place on earth, in the worst circumstances possible. They found peace with each other because of Christ. But this peace was temporary. By January 1st, everyone was forced to fight again. And the war wouldn't end for four more years. The same thing that motivated them to peace with each other should be our purpose for being peaceful with all people. Because the peace that God gives us is not temporary. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives, which is what? Everything's temporary. Everything's taken back. Everything comes at a cost. No, Jesus, this is different, he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. By faith without fear, we are to do everything we can to be at peace with everyone else. Romans 12, 17 through 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Ah, but that does not mean that they will be peaceful with us, does it?
This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 10 when he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but the sword, or but a sword. Father will turn against mother. Families will turn against each other because of Jesus. Because either we belong to him or we don't. There's no middle ground or in between. Read that in context and you will see that not everyone belongs to Jesus. Because of this division, people hate him. Because they hate him and those who belong to him, that is why they will hate you. John 15, 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. That's worth underlining. All of it's worth underlining, but... As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. God chose you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We need to focus our perspective... These people who hate us are the people that God loves. So we need to do what God has commanded us to do, and that is to love them. The war that God is waging is not against people, but against the evil that caused them to hate him. He wants to save them just like he saved us. That puts it in perspective. Matthew 5, 9 says, somebody read that one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Mm. This is your identity. Have you ever gotten into an argument with somebody? Or maybe you just didn't even get into an argument. Maybe just some circumstances and just somebody just started hating you. You can't even go to the Tamarack because they might be there. And you might run into each other at the same time and you might have to do the awkward like, I'm not going to look at you thing. God says, let them do that. But you are different. You will kill them with compassion and love. You will kill their hate with my love, God says. Don't have a long-lasting rivalry that makes it hard to visit places or go to parties. Don't have family members that you refuse to talk to. Don't be someone who takes hate to the grave. Or you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ask God to humble you. And recognize that they are not the enemy. That whatever hurt that they have caused you, God is the one that's going to give you comfort. God's the one that's going to give you justice. God's the one that's going to give you peace. This is how a family can forgive a murderer. 
and how you can forgive people who have hurt you. But ask God to humble you and recognize that they are not the enemy. The devil and the evil of this world is the same evil you were once captive to. Last thing to share here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. God has called us to peace with the people that he has created. That is why we are known for our love. For the forgiving way that we live. For the grace of God that grows so big that we have to share it with everyone around us. Because of Jesus, we are peacemakers. Expecting God to turn our enemies into family. Giving us the blessing to share communion with people who we once hated and who once hated us. But now the peace of God, the peace that God has made with us, makes us share the miracle of peace towards others. So we pray for God to bring the peace that only he can.